Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that is full of sugar and maybe a little bit of smarts too. I'm the smarts, you're the sugar. You're joined, as always, by <laughs> Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Thank you for that. Anytime. So you bring the smarts to you. And you bring the sugar. <laughs> Great. Okay, cool. That's fine. Oh. Anyway, coming up on today's show, Michelle, the awkward Aussie fitness feud. Sam Wood's company allegedly stole. Actually, do we have to say allegedly? I think we can say stole. Ooh. Stole. Some work and some recipes from Laura Henshaw and Steph Claire Smith. So how are they feeling about it all? We get Laura Henshaw on the show to ask her all about it. Plus, what in the world is going on with Kanye West? And is Millie Bobby Brown too young to be put on Time 100's most influential people? We unpack it all. But first, Michelle, how was your week? I actually had the best week. So I took some annual leave this week, like days in lieu, yada, yada, yada. And then obviously had Anzac Day off. And I spent so much time with my family, my mom, my brother and my sisters. And I spent so much time watching the football, which, you know, is like my ultimate. This is new. Tell me about it. No, but I went to so many breakfasts with my sisters and I just bloody love them. And I just feel full of energy and it's sunny today and I'm in a great mood. That's so nice to hear. I have to say it was nice nice having a shorter week this week with Mm -hmm. Anzac Day. I quite liked... um, Um, Maybe the peak of my week. I always like on commemorative days to jump on social media and see how influencers respond to it because I have to say it's an interesting, interesting social experiment to have an influence. I say, lest we forget, let's commemorate today and then 20 minutes later be popping champagne saying, (laughs) woo, public holiday. (laughs) I did see that from a particular social media. I saw it from more, but I saw one really interesting one where it was said, which is, and I have to say, Anzac Day is quite a serious day and it's not really the kind of, I mean, most people I know, know someone in their family who fought and, and it's quite, you know, quite a moving day for a lot of people. And people are so more than welcome to share that on Instagram. It's just the weird way some people go about it. So as I was saying, I saw one that said, you know, these diggers g- gave their lives so that we could live, which was a, a beautiful sentiment. And then the next, the very next Instagram story, 20 minutes later, was a bottle of champagne, her drinking on the public holiday saying, dying for this packaging. <gasps> Oh, just back to back didn't look good. Yeah, no. I think that says a lot though about social media and how sometimes we jump on bandwagons to try and look like. Yeah, I also think that Anzac Day is a tricky one because it's kind of a day that's in two halves. So you've got the first half of the day until probably one o'clock where it's quite solemn and uh, uh, emotional and serious serious and then the second half of the day the footy's on and it kind of that mood lifts a little bit true so i guess it could look jarring but i guess it is a day of two halves in many ways that's a really good point i think it is and also i just think it's one of those things that we haven't really been able to nail properly and how to deal with days that are more serious on how to when we live our lives through social media how to how to deal with that Mm. can i stop talking to you now i really want to start talking to laura henshaw please okay let's do it 
Steph Claire-Smith and Laura Henshaw are two of the biggest names in Australia's fitness industry. After building huge profiles as models and Instagram influencers, both women dipped their toes into entrepreneurship and never looked back. Now, they are both co-founders of Keep It Cleaner, an online lifestyle and fitness program. With over 160,000 followers, Laura, now just in her 20s, has a range of her healthy food products stocked in Coles. Laura, first of all, how challenging is it to achieve what you have at the age you are? You're so young. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here first. (laughs) When you say it all together, it sounds like I have so much going on. It sounds really stressful, but it's actually not. It's it's, it's, it's not that much. Um, But I suppose the the biggest challenge, I suppose, for me has just been um, separating, and for Steph as well, it's just been separating ourselves from just being known as a model influencer and actually being taken seriously as young entrepreneurs um that for us has definitely been the biggest kind of roadblock i suppose and um thing that it's been hard for us to be taken seriously at the start but i think now that we've launched our coles products and our program is growing and growing it's um it's becoming we're slowly starting to kind of chip through that yeah take us back to the first day was there a moment where you both looked at each other i mean it's very clear that you and steph are the best of friends how did it come about keep it cleaner how did you guys decide we're going to branch off we're going to use our followings to create something really incredible well it actually started it's so funny steph had a dream Literally, that's how we started. <laughs> oh, like an actual dream. <laughs> so at the time, I had a health blog, which was called Food, Fit and Repeat, and I went overseas and modelled in Milan. And so because I was so used to studying all the time, I, I had time because I would had deferred uni to do all of that, all the recipes and things uh, when I'd finished my work days while yeah. I was overseas. And Steph and I both were modelling overseas and we're both kind of struggling with um, the pressures of having to be really thin and everything like that. And and so it really connected in that way. And then when we came back home, Steph had this dream and she said, oh, Laura, like I've had this dream that we make this cookbook together. And I was like, oh, my God, Steph, no way. No one's going to want to buy any of my recipes. <laughs> I would like, I, I'm even surprised they go on oh, my blog, let alone buy the recipes. And do, anyway, Steph convinced me that we could do it. And so we came together and developed 37 recipes and shot the book. The ebook is literally, we laugh about it now. We shot 37 recipes in one day. We had no food stylist. We had a fashion photographer. Because we shot them all in one day, some of the recipes we actually had to shoot like three days before. Oh. And so, like, for example, the banana bread, a three-day-old banana bread shot with a flash. Oh, yum. Looks like, yum, it looks slimy. It looks horrible. <laughs> anyway, and the day we launched, I mean, we, um, we got a message from Steph's beautiful mom saying, hey, guys, uh, did you actually, uh, cop, like, read through this uh, for all the errors and the spelling mistakes? Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> we were like, oh, my God. So, anyway, we had an amazing response from it, and that's kind of why we started growing keep it so it was called keep it clean the ebook and then now we keep it cleaner but i think the reason we had such a big and incredible response was because girls could really relate to our recipes and you didn't need to be a chef to make them we found that a lot of the recipes online when we started <clears throat> sorry um healthy recipes online when we started were very much um complicated you needed to spend all this money at the health store and it took three hours to make this thing and it didn't look anything like the picture but our recipes were literally girls making them and i think they were they were making you know this banana bread and it looked better than when we made it. <laughs> so they were sharing it. And that is, I suppose, that's where we kind of tested if the market for if there was a, a place for us. Because obviously the health industry is so, so, so saturated. And you really have to have a differentiating factor, I suppose, about what you do um, and why people will connect with you, I suppose, instead of someone else. And so for that, yeah, we had an amazing response. And from there, we started our website. And then that's where the website Kick Girls came from our program. And then the Coles products came very quickly after that which was really really exciting and the fact that we've grown from seven products to 21 is just crazy that is pretty insane and as you just said it is a super competitive industry like it is quite saturated as well so it's quite amazing that you guys have have managed to get your foot in the door but this week as um 
you know, has been pretty well across the news. Screenshots of some pretty nasty emails circulated within Sam Wood's 28 business were leaked to the media. When you saw those emails, how did you initially feel, given how much work you put in? Yeah, so it has come about that some of the recipes were very similar or his recipes on his program were very similar to our program. And as with what happened in the media, it was just the comment that the thing that really, I suppose, didn't really ha- make us too happy and just made us feel a bit disheartened, I suppose, was um, so when the Daily Telegraph asked Sam for comment on what had happened, his comment was just focused on the fact that the industry is really competitive and something about you need to stay you know, you have to stay on top of your competition. And that really frustrated us, I suppose, because, you know, everyone takes inspiration from other recipes on the on the internet. That's the way it works. Everyone does that. But to actually, like, for the recipes were really similar and then to see the email where his staff member had said that we were idiots because our recipes were so easy to download... Like our recipes are easy to download because we our girls are paying for it and we want them to have it as accessible for them as possible. Obviously. Yeah, of course. And, and so we just thought that behaviour was just really inappropriate. And, I mean, Sam was a, um, an acquaintance of ours. And honestly, if he just had said sorry, it would have been like so, of course, it wasn't the right thing to do. But, we, you know, people make mistakes and that's okay. But it was just that the comment was about the fact that, you know, you need to stay on top of your competition and, and that made it okay for the actions. So um, has, he, has he not apologised to you guys personally at all? No, no, we, we haven't spoken to him. There was another article that Mamma Mia posted um, where he had changed his angle a little bit. Um, Steph and I did post to Instagram on the Sunday about um, how we felt about it and we didn't feel that the response was was right for what had happened. Well, of course, um, and you guys were pretty open about how hurt you were by this entire saga. Yeah. And for, I guess, for somebody to not reach out and be able to recognise those feelings as legitimate and feel the need to sort of put it at ease is a bit bizarre. And it's one thing to be competitive, but it's another thing entirely to copy someone else's work and then laugh about that. I know it's not probably Sam Wood who downloaded the uh, recipes himself. I know it was people in his team, but as a face of that company and as the man whose name is on all of their merchandise and the business, he is the one who's accountable for that. And I was really surprised that he didn't reach out to you or even publicly say we were in the wrong. Those emails were inappropriate and unprofessional. That's right. And I think, I mean, we would have been so open to his apology and it would have been okay because, as I said, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Well, moving away from Sam, what's next for you and Steph? I mean, you guys have achieved so much so young. How old are you now, Laura? Are you 24, 25? Um, I'm 25 and Steph's 24. 25. Yeah, we are. I mean, I feel young, but then I also feel... I feel like I'm still 18 in my head. <laughs> to think that I'm turning 26 this year, which, I mean, it's not old in any way whatsoever, but it's just like, whoa, I'm at a serious age. <laughs> <laughs> I always say to people, because I'm 24 and Zara is nearly 24 too, I always say the marker that I feel like I'm becoming an adult is it wouldn't be weird for me to get engaged or have a baby now. That like people wouldn't be that baby surprised. Was. That's exactly right. That's, it's crazy. It's like you need to be, and the, the funniest thing is I still feel, don't feel like I have all my shit together. Like, <laughs> you know, you, I feel like there's so much pressure on us to be, you know, by the time we turn 27 or whatever, like, no, like have a really stable job and, and have a family and everything like that but I think that's really not the case anymore Um, but we just hope I hope to finish my uni degree by the time I'm 30 Um, I'm still studying my law and business degree and I have been for eight years so getting that (laughs) I think that's fair enough though Oh, my God, I just can't wait to get that done. And then Steph and I also, our, our dream for Keep It Cleaner, especially obviously the program, we just want to be able to help as many girls as we can and grow our community in. Cause, and the way the girls help each other and bring each other up is just we literally like are so grateful every single day that we read anything in the community. So the more girls we can help and make part of the community the better and then the other thing would be with our grocery products we really hope that we could have our products in every area of the supermarket that's our dream oh my god that'd be awesome 
yeah, I suppose we just want to be able to have a healthy option for everyone and, and then they can identify, keep it cleaner and trust and know that we are not going to put any processed things in our products and everything is going to be really healthy. And I suppose to be able to shop and, and be able to trust something everywhere around the supermarket um, would just be, for us, that would just be a dream come true to, to have more products, which we are working on a few more for this year. And then, yeah, the dream is just to keep growing the range as much as we can and making healthy food more accessible for people. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we are so looking forward to keeping an eye on everything you do. And thanks for being so open about, you know, the Sam Wood stuff and, and how hard it is to build your business because I think everything seems so, I guess, glamorous on Instagram and, and there's a lot of grit behind what you guys do. So, so it's really much nice hard work and so many hours that go into it that people don't probably realise. Definitely. That's exactly right. And, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really, really, really appreciate it. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week, you guys know the drill by now, we deliver you the top five celebrity stories from the rough and tumble of the news cycle that you might have missed. This week is presented by Zara McDonald. I am extremely nervous about this because you always make it a bit of a clusterfuck, but that's fine. I'm quite happy with my lineup today. <laughs> All right, hit me with it. First story I've got on my list is from the Daily Mail, starting strong. What would Matt Damon think? Chris Hemsworth and surfy but surfy surfing buddy Kelly Slater playfully wrestle each other as they continue their bromance. Who's that from? I just said the Daily Mail. Oh, sorry. Uh, I would love to. I just love, 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 love this story or narrative about who is Matt Damon's best friend. I think that's there's a lot of context to this story that is so so funny in how the Daily Mail are dealing with Matt Damon's friendships. So whenever Matt Damon is hanging out with. Chris Hemsworth or Ben Affleck, the headline is always the same. It's what would Ben Affleck think? What would Chris Hemsworth think? And as if men can't have more than one, I don't know if they're taking the piss. If they are, it is a brilliant series of journalism. But it's it's so funny because we don't usually see these these kinds of things about men. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's almost like a love triangle between Matt Damon's potential friend interests. Well, it's kind of Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Chris Hemsworth, and then suddenly Surfer Kelly Slater's just snuck in here. Everyone wants to be Matt Damon's best friend. Should I want to be Matt Damon's best friend? Maybe he's a really cool guy. I think he is. Interesting. All right, take me to story two. This is a bit of a sad one. Um, Avicii's family has implied his death was suicide, saying he could not go on any longer. That was from Business Insider. We touched on this um, already in the last show. Yeah, um, it's been really touching to see on Spotify's top charts that many Avicii songs have gone straight to the top. So many people are playing his music and really remembering him that way. It's horrifying to think that a 28 year old was so haunted by fame that he would take his life and his family have said that that he wanted the success and he wanted the music and he wanted the creativity side to his role but he really shunned the spotlight and as two people who are so inherently interested in all things celebrity it's just mortifying to think that someone would be so damaged by the spotlight yeah, and I think you get that with people that are super creative that want to create something really great or multiple things really great, but the side effect of having success in that is always going to be fame. So it's a really, um, it's a tough line to walk. So that is a sad one. On to something a little less sad, Michelle. Actually, you know what? I'm going to call this sad. Oh, okay. Gigi Hadid's birthday party outfits cost at least $25,000. What? That's from page six. How? What was she wearing? Wasn't she wearing gold. that uh, strapless gold yeah, the, sequin dress? Yes. That cost $25,000. Well, so she was also photographed. Note they say outfits. She was also photographed in a sort of juicy couture tracksuit <laughs> that had like Swarovski crystals all on the back of it. So that was one. There was also some Christian Louboutin pumps. I hate the word pumps, pumps. to describe shoes. Reminds me of Vanderpump Rules. Is that a TV show? Yeah, it's a TV show. What do you mean if that's a TV show? Of course it's a TV show. I've never heard of that one. All right, continue. <laughs> I love how you push this along quickly. Number four, Bachelor in Paradise's Leah Costa reveals cringe words. I'm sounding so illiterate. You are. Every episode. Not just this one, please. I don't know what it is. It must be the coffee. Keep that's going. Bachelor in Paradise's Leah Costa reveals cringeworthy gotcha moment. Oh, my God. This story riled me up so much. So, context... Leah from Batch in Paradise was flaunting this ring on her ring finger in all of her press interviews after she got eliminated from the show. 
kind of like waving it around in front of the TV cameras, alluding to the fact that her supposed fiancé is famous and everyone will recognise his face. And then all of a sudden comes out the next day after all these media publications obviously report on the fact that Leah's engaged. She comes out and says she's teaching us a lesson about fake news and it was all a ruse. Yeah, this is – I understood – I understood what she thought she was doing, which was she said she's teaching us all a lesson about the power of suggestion. So she gives us one thing and we run our own truths and we sort of make and speculate based upon that. But I don't think she can say that she was merely suggesting she was engaged when she was throwing her ring around and telling us that there was a guy that was part of the story. Mm. There was a guy that was on reality TV, so we would know his face. So that's not implying that she's engaged. That's telling us she's engaged. So that's not the power of suggestion. I also thought it was a bit rich for her to say that it was this big experiment when I would argue it was more an experiment in how to get the spotlight and more fame because she was saying to people that she'd give, like, said to the project, I'll give you the exclusive details if you invite me onto your show. Like, if I can sit on the panel. It's probably a joke. I don't think so. She was trying to get a publication to either pay her out for the story. But she couldn't get a publication to pay her out because there was no story. So I, think, I don't think I'm – not, I'm not denying that it was probably a way to stay in the news cycle. She will deny that. It was a grub for publicity. But I, don't I don't think, think it, this was an experiment in anything. Well, I think I think she would go to sleep tonight assuming that it was still – not assuming, but um, confident in the fact that it was still – a, a an experiment we just we just an experiment not a particularly good one she did no. delete her instagram profile because yeah. so many people piled i'm not all for a pile on I'm but so many people informed her that it was a pretty ridiculous and ill-informed experiment yeah but it, that in itself is an experiment because shows that reality stars probably shouldn't try to grab the limelight like that because we won't respond well no all right what's last, your last story <laughs> Of course, Royal. First picture of Royal Baby, Duke and Duchess of Cambridge show off newborn prince outside the Lindo Wing. That was from the Herald Sun? It was. We'll just help you credit all your stories there. Look, to be honest, I don't think there's a news outlet in the world that didn't report that. Um, So true. So the little baby's name we now know is Louie. And I owe our shameless celebrity gossip Facebook page members an apology here. We ran in our little group, which I love, a little poll about what the baby's name would be. I took all the top suggestions from Sportsbet. So I just took like the top five or six or something. And it was all uh, Alexander and James and that type of stuff. And I Asked all of our group members to vote what they thought the baby name would be. Louis was not in the top five or six. He was way down the line. I think he was top ten, but you're right. He certainly didn't make our poll and he didn't make much of the discussion. We did have a lot of discussion in that group about what the name would be and just nobody got it. I think the majority of people who voted in that poll said James. I said James too, just because I like it as a name. I said Henry. Henry. Henry's a good name, but I yeah. don't think they call it after Prince Harry because Prince Harry's real name is Henry, right? Yes. Well, perhaps I should have done my research before <laughs> casting my vote. Anyway, I love doing polls in that group. I reckon we should aim to do a couple polls a week. Okay. This if- time I'll try and include the right names yeah, in it. So someone can win. Um, that is all I have for you for the quick and dirty this Thank week. Thank you, Zara. Anytime. And then I I get a lot of backlash for comparing myself to Steve Jobs. But, you know, that's my dream. And that's my uh, one of my idols, like Jesus Christ, my dad and Steve Jobs and stuff are like my idols. And I want to be like that one day and like bring awesomeness to the world. Well, this week saw Kanye West at his Kanye best. On his freshly reinvigorated Twitter account, the rapper and fashion designer let the world know that he and President Donald Trump are, and I quote, both dragon energy. West also shared a series of incongruent, confusing, rambling subthoughts, including but not limited to, your conscience should allow a physical manifestation of your subconscious. Define that. I have no (laughs) bloody idea what that means. I read it about three times. Still don't know. This all led fans and the media to speculate about the 40-year-old's mental state. I think that's the best way to put it. There's question marks over how well Kanye West is mentally right now. Zara, what do you make of the whole debacle? I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of different things, as usual. Um, I 
actually want to start with a quote from Vox because I think this sets it up pretty well. Um, Vox did a great piece on Kanye, but they didn't sort of come to any conclusion, which I think is quite fair about what's going on with him right now because it is not for us to come up with a conclusion, though we can have conversations about what may be going on. And in the piece it said, explaining exactly what's going on here might be beyond our or anyone's capabilities, which is how I feel right now. By his own design, Kanye West has become something of an inexplicable quantity. His refusal to filter himself is both one of his greatest artistic strength and an endless source of frustration for fans who love his music as much as they're stumped by his persona. Yeah, that's great. Don't you think that sums it up quite well? Because it is so many people love his music but don't understand the person. Yeah, and I think everyone is stumped by who he is, potentially even his own wife, (laughs) who obviously called him and he then sent out this tweet being like, my wife has just called me to say I should clarify what I'm trying to say. I saw this great tweet that was um, putting two of Kanye's tweets next to each other and one said, I don't have a manager anymore. I fired, like, I can't be managed, which I think was after he fired Scooter Braun. And then um, the next tweet was, hi, everyone, my wife has just called me. I'd like to clarify some thoughts. And I think the um, caption was something like, when you thought you couldn't be managed, but you absolutely are. <laughs> or when you have a secret manager, it's like you do, you, you can be managed. That's amazing. So I do think this does fall into two stream of thought. And it's actually some of our listeners who alerted me to this idea, the first stream of thought that Kanye West is very strategic and he is not an idiot and he has not gotten to where he has by chance. So he's al- married to a Kardashian, might we note. Mm. So he's clearly an expert in PR and in getting attention. So So the first stream of thought is that this is actually a publicity grab that if you look back throughout Kanye West's history, his most eccentric, expressive uh, media attention grabbing times have been 2013, 2016, when he had his St. Pablo tour and he was hospitalized and 2018, which is now. And coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, those three years are when he has released his most work and he's wanted our dollars. Which I think is not spoken enough and and, um, about enough when we've been talking about Kanye West this week. It is nowhere that um, it is a very real possibility that this is a great grab for attention. Um, I don't think that Kanye works in the same way that Kris Jenner works. I really don't. I think that there's far more shades of gray to what he does. And to be honest, he just does anything he wants with his gut and just does it rather than this being a really calculated plan. However, um, what I think isn't public enough is TMZ wrote a piece uh, during the week about that heavily implied that Kanye is pretty unhinged at the moment because of this rambling stream of tweets on his feet. And, um, the implication there was that something wasn't right with his mental health. And Kanye got in touch with TNZ, got the editor or publisher to come over to his house, and he played him maybe 10 or so tracks and sat him down with some of his music execs and things like that. And he was part of conversations about when his albums were dropping and the music that he was making. TMZ re-released a new article that said, Kanye West is fine. Kanye West is doing brilliantly. He's just making a heap of music at the moment and is in a really expressive phase. Um, And it's really interesting to me that that's not being discussed enough. Yeah. So that is the second stream of thought that a lot of media publications and a lot of people on Twitter were really pushing. Isn't that Kanye West is promoting an album or getting himself in the spotlight to gear up for a big release. It's actually that Kanye West is erratic and mentally ill and in a really dark place. And I can see how that second stream of thought has come about because we do know that Kanye West was hospitalized after having a mental breakdown in 2016. He has spoken before about having a potential uh, dependence on substances. We're not quite sure what those I think subs- opioid. He Well, I'm yeah. not quite sure about opioid. I've heard a lot about marijuana. Yeah. And we know that marijuana can lead to schizophrenic kind of behaviours and tendencies. So, But I do really reject the idea that just because someone has struggled with mental health problems in the past means that those mental health problems are permanent and will be re-triggered in the future. Just because we know Kanye West struggled in 2016, in my mind, is no indication that he is struggling again today. And I reject the idea that just because someone was hospitalised in 2016 means that he's suddenly mentally unwell just because he's expressing his views on the world which have always been eccentric. Yeah, there's this like this is not 
Kanye veering off script. It's Kanye veering off society's script, but it's certainly not Kanye veering off his script. He is obsessed with himself. He is a narcissist. He's obsessed with his own celebrity. Um, he is always one to speak what he thinks is the unspoken thought. He's always the one who thinks that he's ahead of the curve and can change the world and should be, you know, president. And so I just think it's really surprising to me that people aren't looking at the stream of tweets on his feed and thinking this is brand Kanye to a T. This is exactly the kind of person that he's told us he is for the last 10 years. And Kanye has had a deity complex since his career launched. I think we often forget the context around Kanye's career and the way, why he is the way he is. So I'm guessing lots of people don't actually realize Kanye's entire career was birthed out of a near-death experience. So he fell asleep at the wheel of his car in 2002 and had a near fatal accident. He was in hospital for two weeks. He had to have his jaw basically, I don't know the official term, but shut, realigned and clamped shut basically. And doctors have come out saying he should have died. It is incredible that he survived that accident. So he was supposed to die. He did not die. Two weeks later, he was signed to his first record label. And it is not all that unusual to think that this person who is religious and has had a near-death experience has thought this is a God-like moment. This has happened for a reason. My career has taken off after I should have been dead. I am a God-like creature. I know it's unusual. I know not everyone would have that reaction. No, not many, but... But it's important for his context of how he sees himself in the world. He really does feel like this was a godlike intervention, that he is the next deity, that he is ahead of his time, that he's not supposed to be here, that he was sent from the heavens. It so plays into how he's been forever or forever in the public eye. I mean, all we have to do is look at that footage of him interrupting Taylor Swift on stage. All you have to do is look at the interview that he did with Ellen last year when he went rambling and rambling. Do you remember that interview when he said, how could I forget? He's got all of these ways that he wants to fix the world. And I think all you have to do is go back and watch that interview and think straight away, oh, this is so in line with everything he's ever, he's ever done. I also think there's a total lack of us listening to Kim Kardashian in this context. I mean, I know that's a funny line. Who would have thought? That's a funny line, but she tweeted and she said, and this is my exact thoughts. It's a Kim and I on the same line. Kim. To the media trying to demonize my husband, let me just say this. Your commentary on Kanye being erratic and his tweets being disturbing is actually scary. So quick to label him as having mental health issues for just being himself when he has always been expressive is not fair. And it's so true. Just because somebody is not saying the kinds of things that you yourself believe and saying them consistently and over the course of a week doesn't mean that there's something going on. And I guess it exactly, it goes back to your point, which is not everything Kanye West does can be explained by mental health. No. And I think there is a thread here that because he supports Donald Trump, which the vast majority of his fan base probably disagrees with, they don't align with him neatly politically, would be my guess. Suddenly, this has all ramped up again, that if you're going to support the right and if you're going to be concerned conservative, then you must have a mental health problem. I do think that sentiment is there. And although I I despise Donald Trump and I don't agree with his politics, I also despise shutting someone's beliefs down and labeling them crazy just because they don't neatly align with your own. Well, I think that we could have a conversation about that for hours. And it is the exact line of thought that got us into this Trump mess in the first place. I don't think that everybody is speculating about his mental health just because he has aligned himself with Trump. I think his incessant tweeting um, and the rambly nature of his tweeting has played into that a, a lot. But I don't think that we should discard the content of his tweets either, because I know that that has upset a lot of people and perhaps rightly so. I know there was a great tweet from a TV host in the US called Bevy Smith. And she said, Kanye is the most dangerous type of black celebrity. He actively fights against what is right for us as a community. And because of fame, white supremacists will use his warped self-loathing views as proof that things aren't so bad for us. News alert, Kanye doesn't speak for us. And I think we should, in this conversation, also give a platform for those sort of arguments too, because although he can say what he wants and although he can say what he wants and shouldn't be, um, you know, we shouldn't speculate as, as about his mental health because of it, we should be able to p- pick out those things and say that's offensive to a lot of people. We should. 
But I also think we should be smart about this and not pretend that all of Kanye West's fans are idiots who will just blindly follow whatever their favorite musician believes politically. I can love a million different artists. And if they come out and say, oh, I support Donald Trump, that doesn't make me go, well, Kanye does. So I better. Okay. I think there's a, such a couple a... of things in that, though, just sorry to cut you off, is that not everybody is as smart as you. And I think that's why Trump is in the White House is because people do take things like this. And it's not as explicit as Kanye West saying one thing so I believe one thing. It is far more subtle than that. It is someone giving legitimacy legitimacy, sorry, to the President of the United States who is really, really divisive and is given a... has made the last year or so really hard on a huge amount of minorities. But I think you're really educated. Like you wouldn't, you don't take stuff blindly and accept it because that's where you've, you've come from a place of privilege where you've been able to question things. So many people listen to things that famous people say and may not necessarily take it as fact, but they might hear it one more time and then believe it. So I think we cannot possibly discard the fact that it's important that he says these things. There was a fake news stat going around, though, about him losing 9 million oh, followers. I hate this. And, uh, yeah. That I, wasn't true. I d- no. He didn't lose 9 million followers when he tweeted about Donald Trump. And those things are even more harmful. If you hate Donald Trump, that's well and good. I'm right there with you. But the movement against Trump really loses steam when there are these fake stories circulating around mm. about how much supporting Trump means everyone hates you. Because yeah. it's just not true. Kanye West did not lose 9 million followers after that tweet. And it's quite harmful to keep perpetuating these lies and associating the left or the middle with lying. Yeah, no, it's not good for anybody, to be honest. But I do have to say, I agree with you to a point that I think a large portion of Kanye West's fans can separate his politics from his music. I mean, I I don't think it'll take a hit at all on any of his upcoming album sales or anything. In fact, all we have to do really is look at the the quiet resurgence of Chris Brown to see that we, if someone can make good enough music, we can forgive them for just about anything. Yeah. And I think it's time that everyone just wises up and realize this is who Kanye West is. He is a total narcissist. He thinks he is godlike. He basically thinks he's the equivalent of Jesus. You can appreciate his music, but perhaps if you don't like what he has to say, unfollow him. You've been acting since when? How old were you when it, you started? It's been, it's been a, a four-year four overnight year. success. <laughs> I haven't been doing this for like, you know... My whole life. I've started when Just I was eight. Just about 50% of Just it. about, like... <laughs> Notable fanfare this week. Time released its annual 100 Most Influential list. Millie Bobby Brown, the star of Stranger Things, found herself as the youngest ever person to make the list at the age of just 14. Bobby Brown's status, following and fandom has far eclipsed both her age and so many celebrities around her. But as we feel necessary to remind you, she is just 14 years of age. Mish, is 14 too young to find yourself on a list like this one? Yes. Hey. Too young. Done? Done and dusted? Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's the segment done. No, it's too young. I have to say I'm really confused by the Time 100 list. It's talking about the most influential people in the world. And I get that Millie Bobby Brown is a great actor. I get that she has 16.3 million followers on Instagram. But neither of those things should put you in the 100 most influential people in the world. Maybe There's, it's the youth thing, though. But is she like is she the most there would be 14 year olds and there'd be teenagers with more than 16.3 million followers yes that's a huge amount but when you compare that to people like selena gomez or justin bieber or other teen icons who have hundreds of millions of followers i am quite baffled i'm not gonna lie that a girl who plays a very good role on a Netflix series is suddenly deemed in the top 100 in the world. No, I'm not going to say I disagree with you. I'm just trying to make sense of it myself because there has to be there has to be some sort of reason other than her fame. I wonder if it's because she is the face of a Netflix series that is a so popular and perhaps so different to something we've seen in a while and also the fact that for young people she is a different kind of celebrity and I think maybe that in itself is influential Mm. I think we just have such a tendency to idolize children and it's not just us it goes back years and years and years and decades because it always seems like we're looking for the next big thing and we keep making these really young kids and teenagers stars and we have a preoccupation with 
turning them into something commodifiable and is that a word commodifiable Commod- I'll let it I'll let it go I, I do this every bloody episode but we do we take these really young people and we try to mold them into something we want them to be and I struggle with it I, I Millie Bobby Brown's not really on my radar I'll be completely honest I know that Vogue has interviewed her and profiled her and she is being covered by every major publication but to me she's a kid and I'm sure she's a great actor. I've seen her on Stranger Things. But I... I Have you ever seen her interviewed um, on late night TV or anything like that? Anything that's not in print? I have. I I don't want to use the word disturbed because I think that's a bit melodramatic. But I was quite confronted watching, you know, videos of her talk because she talks so well beyond her age. And I know that there are 14-year-olds who are just wise and are just mature. But it did make me think, are you a mature person inherently or are you mature as a product of the world that you're living in at the moment and I think she's come to fame or extreme fame very quickly I know there's not necessarily any such thing as overnight success but it has come very quickly considering she is just 14 and I think there's there's a couple of issues here she is we need people to I mean we can't just say there's a blanket ban on anyone under the age of 15 acting because we wouldn't have any children on our screens but I think right now it's it's the media that has a responsibility to treat her like a child and not many people are um I was really really interested when I did a bit of digging on this to see that really credible reputable media organizations like interview magazine w magazine the cut have really disturbing ways of talking about her and her life. The Cut, which is owned by New York Magazine, and it is quite a great, strong woman's website, talked about her relationship. Uh, She was dating a a young, famous guy um, and noted that they were both a power couple. Yeah, I hate that. I'm surprised The Cut did that. I love The Cut. That's what I mean. And so I think if organisations like The Cut are doing, uh, treating her as an adult, then what hope do the rest of us have? Mm. Um, I I think there are reasons, though, that we feel uncomfortable rather than it just being a gut instinct. Um, I know in 2007, um, the American Psychological Association's task force did a paper and a study on the sexualization of girls and found that first and foremost, I know we talk about it all the time in layman's terms, but it is damaging. This is a quote from the report. Ample evidence testing these theories indicates that sexualization of girls has negative effects in ver- in a variety of domains, including cognitive function, physical and mental health, sexuality, and attitudes and belief. So it's not just dangerous for Millie Bobby Brown, but it's dangerous for the entire world and so many young girls who are seeing her dressed up in magazine photo shoots as if she is 25. Yeah, and a lot of this does feed into the fashion industry as well. I think there's a quite neat intersection there between who's to blame because a lot of major designers and fashion companies are fighting, clawing to get Millie Bobby Brown to wear their dresses. And it's disturbing, as you said, because the fashion industry has such a history of making young girls and young girls' bodies sexual and making them desirable. There's a reason why Kaya Gerber, Cindy Crawford's daughter, is the number one supermodel in the world right now. And there's a reason why young models are the most successful and lucrative and desirable when they're 16 because we're so titillated by these young women's bodies and it's kind of disturbing. So I really feel that the onus here has to lie on the fashion industry who continually clambers to get Millie Bobby Brown to promote their brands because what the hell are these companies doing? Why would you want a 14-year-old promoting your stuff when the majority of the women buying your stuff are decades older? Not 14, who are relying on their parents to pay for stuff i so agree but i think for us to expect uh, expect much better from the fashion industry is a bit of an ask at the moment when history tells us they they don't do what is best for women i when i said before when we talk about things like this it's it's always very easy for us to talk about the problems without recognizing ways that it could be better and i said i think right now we can't help the fact that 14 year olds are going to be famous in fact i don't even think we can help the fact that 14 year olds can be on times 100 most influential but we can help how we cover them and um do you remember mara wilson no who's mara wilson um she was on uh Mrs. Doubtfire, the little girl. Oh, okay. Anyway, she tweeted and she said, um, because she herself obviously was a really young child star and like 
adored for being cute at the age of, you know, five or six. And she was tweeting after there was a bit of coverage about Millie Bobby Brown. And she said, it's not just the Hollywood insiders that take advantage. It's the media narrative as well. The articles and the comments in response to this disgust me. It's not the executives doing shitty things. Sometimes it's viewers like you. And when we talk about these things, it's so easy for us to not feel any responsibility. It's so easy for us to point the finger at the industry at Hollywood as, as a big, you know, industry itself and say they're the problem when in fact it's how we're engaging with with content about her where it's how we are clicking on articles where she might be overly sexualized where we might be commenting on things about her as if she's an adult um and i think that's the problem and that's what we need to fix Mm, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. I still think uh, Time 100 could have been more responsible than to put her on their list. But what's the problem in putting the, her because on their list? Because we're we're holding these people what up. If, we're putting if, them on a huge pedestal. And the higher you put them up, the longer there is to fall down. So we know what can happen to children in this situation. Amanda Bynes, Britney Malala Spears. on that new, on that list? I think it's completely different. What? I think the money... And the paparazzi and the attention is completely different on someone like Malala than it is on someone like Millie Bobby Brown. And she has said that she almost has an addiction to the fame and the spotlight. She, This is a quote that she gave to Vogue Australia in their profile. I have chosen to act and I know what comes with acting is fame and photographers and paparazzi and interviews. And I love it because it's my favorite thing. But definitely going back home and sitting there and not doing anything, that's what I have to try and cope with. I really can't deal with the quiet time. That for a 14-year-old is quite troubling considering we've seen this happen before and I'm not saying that Millie, Millie Bobby Brown will follow in these people's footsteps, but let me just go through it. Amanda Bynes, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Corey Haim, Corey Fieldman, Drew Barrymore, Demi Lovato, Justin Bieber to a certain extent. Mm. These people who have had so much wealth and fortune and attention and spotlight in their teens, it hasn't ended up well for them and I'm surprised that we continually do this to people. We continually put them up on these pedestals when they're not yet adults they're not even legally allowed to drink yet she's not illegally allowed to drink for seven years in america like that is insane to me for context sake she's earning um in the next season of stranger things 350 grand per episode which is an insane amount of money for a 14 year old um it's pretty if you look into her family and her the people around her it's pretty well regarded that she has a great support network around her however I struggle with the idea that a great support network in this instance is enough and I know that's quite harsh but as you just said I don't know a person that grows up like this that can possibly grow up to be an and I have normal in inverted commas Mm. here human being well we do have to be careful because not everyone goes down the rabbit hole of drug addiction so you've got the people like Justin Timberlake or like uh, I don't want to say oh Selena Gomez I guess to a certain extent even Ariana Grande Ariana Grande was huge as a teenager on the Disney Channel and Mm. I think it was Nickelodeon or Disney Channel and she's she's apparently but I would hate to think of the things that have gone on behind the scenes like there's a lot that we probably don't know and I I'm not I'm not going to go about and speculate but I just say the odds are stacked against you they really 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 are despite how strong a support network you have around around you and I do kind of reject that idea that just because someone comes out and says I've got a really tight-knit family so did Justin Bieber we heard so much about Justin Bieber's Christian family and how close he was to his dad and his mom and his siblings whatever we heard heaps about that and Scooter Braun and different people that were supposedly insulating Justin Bieber from the spotlight but he has clearly been through some stuff at the end of the day you're a child in an adult's world like you are and I think there is only so much people can keep an eye on you and when you have money you have freedom to go off and do your own thing and and cut ties with whoever you want to cut ties with she also there was an interview she did um, where she said she did an interview with Maddie Ziegler you know of um, oh what yeah so apparently they're friends read it it's I again I I can't find another word other than disturbing because I do feel disturbed by it and I'm just going to be honest about my feelings um Maddie Ziegler is a young dancing with the stars not dancing with the stars dance moms that's it and Maddie Ziegler interviews her and they're talking as if they're 25 and she said listen Maddie I live on an airplane I don't really live anywhere at the moment this is a 14 year old who can't name anywhere as home because she spends so much time in the air I do want to note, though, um, there are some good publications who are doing appropriate things with um, with Millie Bobby Brown. Teen Vogue put her on the cover but dressed her in really 
age appropriate stuff. Yeah. Um, it was a t-shirt and jeans, right? Uh, no, that was on New York Magazine. New York Magazine ran a cover with the entire Stranger Things cast with the kids and they all wore t-shirt and jeans and had skateboards. However, I would hazard a guess that maybe she wasn't sexualized because there were young boys on that cover too who aren't in the same situation. And I think what we do need to recognize in all of this is that there are a whole bunch of young boys on that show who are almost just as famous as Millie Bobby Brown, who are by no means, by no means treated the same way she is. And we can't put that down to the fact that she just is the main character. Like we just can't, there is so much more going on about here, here because she's a, she's a young girl that is pretty gross to watch on. Mm. And I'm not saying I reject the idea that she is definitely going to go down a certain path because I think you will have the odd person who is resilient enough to carve out a sense of adulthood and maturity and not an identity yeah and an identity in this very unique world so maybe she'll be fine and I hope she is fine all I know is that every time I see a new child star crop up I cringe and I just really stress about the fact that so many people have gone down this path before and it has not ended well Thank you so much. I think that's all we've had. We've got time for today, hey? Episode eight done. Look at us go. I know. Hey, guys, please subscribe to the show if you are have not subscribed already. Um, in your podcast feed, we are a little independent podcast, and subscribing is a really great way um, for others to find us. We have to be honest. Yeah, I did not realize, but apparently, I'll let you guys in on some insider info. Uh, the algorithm, so the charts you guys see, are dependent entirely on subscribes, not listens, not reviews or anything else so if you haven't subscribed click subscribe and it will shoot us right up that weird weird chart maybe not shoot but it will it will help certainly rocket us up that chart don't forget you can also take part in the conversation in our facebook group if you guys search shameless celebrity gossip on facebook you can join in the conversation you can almost you Who's struggling now? How about I, I'll take it from here, oh. Michelle. You can email us at shamelessthepodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter. Look at you go. I, maybe when I speak fast, I can get my words out, but when I go slow, I can't. I feel like patting you on your little head. Um, how exciting. Thank you so much, guys. We will be with you next week. Bye. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one. <laughs>